This is Oklahoma football. All right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Mainline Podcast on this blistering cold Thursday, February 18th. Tyler Burton, Adam Jacquez, Corbin Colson, the gang is all here safe and sound. And uh, kind of a kind of an odd time right now, uh, right down here in the south. States of Oklahoma and Texas have been going through uh, pretty much a snowmageddon this week. Adam finally got his power bike on just a, a few hours ago. So, boys, how are we doing? What's going on? I'm warm now. Um, fortunately, I had people stay with for for power, but um, glad that uh, the lights are back on and we're able to record and talk some football. Yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to be the coldest state of all of us, right? And we're doing just fine up here in the state of Colorado. All power. We're all good to go. Uh, never had an outage and got about a max of three inches of snow. So we're doing all right. Yeah, I've spent the uh, the last couple of days, Corbin, definitely thinking about you. A couple inches of ice all on the ground, caked up. And then Norman, I think Norman got a foot's worth of snow. Uh, some places, two foot of snow with all the drifts. So it's been... Uh, it's been crazy navigating the roads, going to work each and every day, shoveling snow in the driveway just to get your car up into the up into the garage has, has been kind of fun. So, uh, but no, excited to talk some ball. Um, obviously, one of the things that we uh, t- talk about this off season is trying to find some new creative ways to, to to provide some content for each episode. Since since there's not a lot of football topics uh, happening each week, but I think we've got some really good stuff playing tonight. Um, obviously, uh, the, the Big 12 has always been something that OU fans especially have been talking about, conference realignment. Should OU jump ship, go join another conference, or should the Big 12 as a conference poach some teams from, you know, whether it's the group of five or from a different conference? So uh, Adam put together a really good list tonight. We're going to kind of go through some different teams, uh, whether or not they would be a good fit for the Big 12 conference, not just in football, but as an athletic program as a whole. Uh, so we'll kind of, you know, kind of dive into uh, five or six different teams here. And then we've got another Mount Rushmore of uh, the greatest bald people in the world. Uh, that uh, it was last week was a little bit challenging trying to find some uh, different ideas uh, who to throw up on Mount Rushmore. This was one where there was no shortage uh, as far as good candidates go. So, uh, Adam, just kind of throw it to you, man. You put together a really good list, you know, during this whole Big 12 realignment thing, maybe five or six teams that. Uh, you know, Bob Bowlesby, commissioner, see these teams as being either a good or a bad fit in terms of joining the Big 12 uh, moving forward. Sure, yeah. So I picked seven teams here. Um, maybe not the ones that uh, everybody wants, but certainly the ones that would be the most likely expansion candidates if the Big 12 chose to expand. And we've had this discussion in previous weeks as far as um, why the, the Big 12 should consider doing that. And it's always a fun thing to talk about here in the offseason. Uh, so I've got some some key facts on each of them. Um, I'm going to rattle down all these different uh, important details of particular schools. So we'll kick it off with the University of Arizona. Uh, so they have an enrollment of just over 44,000 total students. They've got a brand new head coach in Jed Fish, who came from the New England Patriots. Uh, they've got a, a pretty modest size stadium, which which holds almost 51,000. That would rank seventh in the current Big 12. So not necessarily the most impressive as far as capacity that they would be bringing in. And they really aren't filling that stadium at a, at a high level. Um, back in 2019, when stadiums were full, or at least had the ability to be full, uh, Arizona was only pulling about 39,000 fans per game. So um, not super impressive there. They are in a pretty big metro. Uh, Tucson, Arizona is about a million people, and they're about two hours outside of the Phoenix area, which is, is pretty large. 
uh, if you're looking at their their program as a whole and what they're doing on the football field, uh, they have an overall winning percentage of of about 56 percent uh, wins of their games. Uh, recruiting wise, they're not nothing impressive. Number 73 overall in 2021. Uh, and the closest road trip for them to another Big 12 school would be Lubbock, which is about 10 hours away. So with all that information in mind, I want to ask Corbin, because I know you're, you're a pretty big fan of, of adding uh, the Arizona schools. What stands out to you about Arizona that makes them a good fit for the Big 12? Well, Adam, before I do that, I need you to go ahead and jump into Arizona State, because to me, that's a package deal. So cover Arizona State, then I'll tell okay. you why I want them. Yeah. So that, that's a key point. Everyone says those Arizona schools are going to have to go together. And that's pretty much how a lot of state schools are going to operate with the government. So looking at a profile of Arizona State, they're significantly bigger than Arizona. 74,000 in enrollment. Herm Edwards is their head coach. Um, their stadium capacity is not that much bigger than Arizona. They're only at 54,000, which again would rank seventh in the current Big 12. Uh, and their average attendance is, is a little bit better. They're at 49,000 in 2019. Um, they're right there in the heart of the Phoenix Metro, which is almost 5 million people. Uh, and their their win-loss record uh, overall as a program is just over 60%. Recruiting is a little bit better. Number 61 overall class in 2021. Uh, similar in the fact that they're they're about the same distance away from Lubbock for a, a matchup with Texas Tech. But um, yeah, as far as those two two schools coming together, what what is impressive about them? So for me, knowing obviously the rest of the schools you're going to talk about, these are by far the two obvious choices to join the Big 12, in my opinion. Um, one, because I think realistically, if this was going to be something that actually happened, you need two teams in the Big 12 to get you know the conference to 12 total teams. You can't take 11. I don't think that would make any sense. But here's what I've kind of broken down. I think regardless of the school that we're looking at here, you basically have to take football out of the equation because none of them are powerhouses. None of them are going to drive football revenue like crazy. You need to almost look in the other sports and see what they offer. And to me, these are the two schools that offer most. So before we hopped on here, I looked on um, rankings for non-football sports between these two schools. Let me just run through them. Arizona baseball is ranked number 19. Arizona is ranked number four in women's softball. Arizona State's ranked number 15 in women's softball. Arizona State's 16 in women's gym, 26 in women's gym, and Arizona is number 10 in women's basketball. And I know both of these programs are down as far as men's basketball is concerned, but these are two traditional powerhouses of the college basketball landscape on the men's side as well, especially Arizona. Um, so that being said, none of the other schools we're going to address has that record in the other sports at all. Um, and I think realistically, this does open the door to more West Coast recruiting, which I think is important. Um, and I think Arizona is developing into a hotter and hotter bed of college football recruiting as well. And let's not forget, one, Mark Andrews is from Arizona, two, Spencer Rattler is from Arizona, two of the more notable names in OU football recent history in the past three or four years. So um, those, to me, are the two obvious choices. And let's not forget, they're in two massive markets there in Arizona. So it opens up a ton of new eyes uh, for revenue you know, coming into the conference. So uh, to me, of all the schools that we have a legit chance, I think, of picking from another Power 5 conference, it's the two Arizona schools. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, if the big if the Big Twelve could land the two Arizona schools, keeping that in-state rivalry together would be ideal. I mean, just kind of starting with Arizona here. I mean, in the last decade, from a football standpoint, you know, the Wildcats have been a decent Pac-12 team by comparison to others. You know, they've been ranked. Uh, looking at some of the stats here, they've been ranked in the AP poll six out of the last eleven seasons, which is which is you know it's it's okay, but it's it's also better than what we've seen from uh, a few of the bottom tier Big Twelve teams. So 
Um, Arizona, you know, they've struggled the last number of years. Obviously, Kevin Sullivan was, you know, did not didn't quite live up to the expectations uh, coming from Texas A&M. But let's not forget about how how you know good and competitive Arizona was during the Rich Rodriguez era, you know, t- a, a decade or so ago. So I think we can agree that the state of Arizona is a pretty decent recruiting ground, and you know, would definitely be a nice TV market. Um, getting both Arizona schools would allow the Big Twelve to control both of those factors. Um, and Arizona itself is a program, I think, with football potential. We all know about the men's basketball program, how good it's been over the last decade or two, um, and being one of the you know true blue bloods of college basketball or so. Um, and then you know traveling down the road over to to Tempe, you know, while Arizona State doesn't bring as much appeal across the board for their athletic department as Arizona does, historically they do have a pretty good football program. And I think it would be a really good take for the Big 12, especially when you can add a head coach like Herm Edwards to the mix to go along with some of the guys like Lincoln Riley or an up-and-comer like Steve Sarkeesian. So, um, and you know, Arizona State talking about their recent football success. You know, they've made a bowl game in eight out of their last nine seasons. They're also a program that keeps a pretty consistent recruiting battle, I think, you know, going against some programs uh, inside the Big 12. And, guys, if you look at the power rankings, you know, going into 2021 as some of the uh, – uh, you know, the best players in the Big 12 going into next fall, I think you could probably make a pretty good argument that Spencer Rattler and B. John Robinson are number one and two in that category. And both of those guys, you know, come from the state of Arizona. So getting that Arizona recruiting pipeline could mean big things for the Big 12 to finally win over that part of the country, you know, consistently year in and year out. So when you say that, I, I find it interesting because we're rattling off a ton of names that are already in the Big 12 that are from Arizona. And of all the states in America, I think Arizona is one of the tops for having people that are living there that were not born there. So a lot of these recruits have no ties to the Arizona schools, and that's why they're already leaving. So I would almost argue we don't need to have the Arizona schools to have that particular pipeline. Um so uh, it's interesting. You guys have a very different perspective on both these schools than I do. I don't look at either of them as great additions to the Big 12. I think they, they sound nice because they're already in a Power 5 conference in the Pac-12, and most everyone else that's a real true candidate is, is not a Power 5 uh, team right now. So I think that sounds nice. But in my mind, is OU versus Arizona State a better game or matchup right now than OU versus Kansas State or OU versus Iowa State? I'd take Maybe. both. I would take both Arizona schools over Kansas in a heartbeat. And <laughs> oh, that's at least at least Arizona State. Arizona's pretty pretty bad uh, on the football. Yeah. But like I said, this is not a football discussion. This is the everything else discussion. Because I don't. I mean, we've got tons of um, you know games down here. Would would we rather have a Memphis, you know, instead of a Kansas State? I, I don't think so. So I think Arizona State, like Tyler said, I think Coach Herman's got them on the rise. I think that is a school. And to your point, Adam, like if they're already leaving Arizona anyway, we've only named a, a few that have made their way into the Big 12. Most of them are going west. And so we can not only, one, dive into that Arizona pipeline and bring them closer to the Big 12. I think that is a stepping stone to the West Coast kids um, to know that, you know, potentially they're not going to have uh, as many games away from home as they would as things stand right now. Sure. Well, and and I think looking at it too from a non-football standpoint, I mean, lo- looking at the success that both of those athletic programs have in various sports, you know, particularly focusing on softball. I mean, 
you know, we're, we're as big of a softball fan as, as, as probably there are Patty Gaslin, what that team does year in and year out. It seems like every year when you turn on the channel of the women's college world series, there's always at least one, if not both of those Arizona schools in Oklahoma city every single year. And, you know, kind of one of the other things that makes, you know, the two Arizona schools so appealing to a guy like me, especially from a fan perspective is, you know, year round, sign me up to go out to Tucson or Tempe, Arizona. Do if, yeah, and being an avid golfer, there you go, swinging the club, Adam. You know, definitely get, give just give me another reason to go out there and spend a couple of days playing some golf, and you know, giving me the choice do I want to go up to uh, uh, Lawrence, Kansas, watch OU Kansas in November, or go to Morgantown, West Virginia in December? You know, sign sign me up. I'll I'll go watch OU play both of those teams in any sport uh, year round. So that that's kind of a huge selling point for me is the geographic location uh, for both of those schools, and the TV mark would be outstanding too. Yeah, I, I agree with those points. I know Corbin and, and Tyler, you guys are looking at this from a whole you know perspective and all the programs. I love softball at OU. I, I enjoy watching it and going to the games, tuning in and things like that. But I know that's not where the, the bread is buttered. I know it's in football. So I am going to put a little bit more emphasis there. I'm curious with these Arizona schools, they're pulling a lot from California as well. So I wonder you know, if they are joining a, a conference like the Big 12, are they going to get better as programs or are they going to stay roughly the same or even drop off similar to how Nebraska has seen their Texas pipeline fall off after leaving the big 12? What do you guys think about that? It's a great question. Uh, That Nebraska effect I think is the more likely scenario, but are you telling me Texas kids wouldn't want to go have a good time at Arizona state? They would, you know, are they going to recruit Texas any less than a, a Texas Tech or a Baylor or a TCU? I don't think so. I think they have a fighting shot there. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's what happened with Nebraska is not only did they leave the roots of the Big 12, they're too far away from the Big 10 hubs to, to recruit that as well. I think Arizona State can pitch a whole lot more, uh, and Arizona can pitch a whole lot more as far as Texas kids going to those schools than what Nebraska can pitch Big Ten recruits going to Lincoln. Uh, no shot against Lincoln, but let's be honest, that's not perfect weather like it's going to be in uh, the two Arizona spots. And Adam, I, I got a question that I kind of want to throw back to you, and we'll talk specifically football here uh, when, it, when it comes to adding both Arizona schools. You look at a pro, you look at the Big 12 Conference as a whole, obviously it's top-heavy every single year, OU, and hopefully Texas will get back to where they can be a you know solid 1-2 year in and year out like they've been in the past, but Adding schools like Arizona and Arizona State, Adam, do you think that waters down the Big 12 just by adding those two specific teams, or do you think that has an opportunity to strengthen, you know, not just you know uh, the the overall look of the Big 12 as a conference, but do you think that has a chance to strengthen the 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 play on the field uh, between all those teams? You know, I I kind of think it waters it down a little bit because. Yes, both schools are power five, but from a national perspective, the Pac-12 is not a very respected conference uh, and the Arizona schools are not respected Pac-12 schools within that conference. Arizona State has been better than average, but they really aren't competing for the Pac-12 championship much on a regular basis, if at all. So I I don't know what it really adds in theory. I Whereas with some of these other schools that we're, we're about to get to here in a minute, I look at those as they're nationally relevant as some of the top group of five or independent programs in the country. And so their ceiling is significantly higher than what these Arizona schools are at right now 
already with all the major resources of a a power five conference. So I look at, you know, a central Florida or someone like that and say, Hey, they've got room to grow. They can be above what some of these middle teams in the big 12 are currently. Whereas I see Arizona state coming into the big 12 and what are they? Another Baylor, another Kansas state, maybe an Oklahoma state. That's a little bit more consistent. You know, I I just don't know that they add a, a ton. Yeah, I, I I think it's fair. I think that's a fair um, f- fair reason behind. It. And like I said, I you know me me personally, uh, I wouldn't be opposed if if we did have to add two teams. The fact that that it would be a package deal, you get a rivalry between both schools. It is a good recruiting pipeline. You know, get your foot foot in the door. I, I don't really know how much it's going to affect OU just because OU is such a national brand. They can go recruit wherever they want. There's not a school in America that's not going to you know let Lincoln Riley come in that door, but. I mean, we, we see the – you just ran down the list, Adam. I mean, Mark Andrews and Spencer Rattler, just to name, you know, the, the two most recent ones. I mean, there's there's talent all over that state. So knowing that OU is going to be playing in at least one of those two stadiums every year, I mean, I think that that could, you know, just it, make it a much more appealing uh, – you know, make it much more appealing for a kid to want to choose OU uh, as opposed to maybe going to like Oregon or Southern Cal or UCLA, something like that. Yeah, I agree. Well, let, let's let's push into a, another school here on the list that is a little bit, um, I don't know if lightning rod's the right term, but people have some very strong opinions about BYU. And uh, and so they're, they're a very unique school. They have about 33,000 students enrolled. Uh, Kalani Satake is their, their head coach. Their stadium is, is pretty large, 63,000 is what it holds. That would rank third in the Big 12. It would certainly be a destination. It's very picturesque there in, in Provo, Utah, which is about 600,000 uh, people there. And it's just down the road from Salt Lake City, which is a massive market there. Um, so they did average about 59,000 fans in that stadium. Uh, pretty solid. I think 2019 wasn't their their best season. So normally that'd be a little bit higher. Um, overall, in a win-loss perspective as a program, they weren't nearly as high as I would have expected. Uh, they've only won about 57% of their games. I thought they'd be a little bit higher there. And then from a recruiting standpoint, they ranked number 71 in 2021. I think that's maybe a little bit deceiving just because of some of the ways that BYU recruits. Some of their guys are a little bit older. Um, so it's a little bit unusual there. And they do have quite a bit of history as a program. They were 1984 national championship uh, champions. They have a Heisman winner in Ty Detmer. So there's certainly some some national brand and, and some history and tradition around them. So, Tyler, you know, everyone has a strong opinion on BYU. Where do you fall on them? Personally, I don't I don't know how much value the Big 12 would gain by adding a school like BYU. I think that in terms of, you know, just looking at the Arizona schools that we just touched on, I think the BYU would be the more competitive team consistently year in and year out amongst the three. Um, obviously, just going down those stats, Adam, what you were talking about, how if BYU did join the conference, then they would immediately have the third biggest stadium in the conference. That's uh, that's that's kind of disappointing when thinking about you know we're a we're a Power Five school and sixty three thousand fans would be the biggest third biggest stadium in the in that particular conference. But I mean, for, from a fan standpoint. I, one, just looking at the picture of the stadium you put up here, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. To, you know, talk about a scenic view, mountains off in the background. Corbin, you can touch on that and speak to, you know, waking up every day and seeing something like that when you go outside. But from a competition standpoint, can we really, you know, trust that BYU is going to be competitive with OU in Texas every single year? Or, like you said, Adam, is this just going to be throwing another TCU into the mix? Like, what to, to, to me, and to throw this back to you guys, is where's the added value in a t, in a in a school like BYU being added to the conference? I would say national brand and money for sure. 
Yeah, but they, you, I, I mean, they're they're a private, independent school. I mean, they don't they don't need the money like like some of the other schools do. I mean, it's it's similar to Baylor. Well, it, I, I say the money more in the aspect of like their fan base and alumni base is going to contribute and grow this program. They're very invested in football. They always have been. Whereas you can question that a little bit more on on a school like Arizona, for example. Um, and and you're going to have to add Arizona if you want Arizona State. So, um, I, I I just like the the investment. I think their fans and their program is a little bit more like minded to to us, you know, as OU fans. I'm not too sure how different uh, adding BYU to the Big 12 would be uh, than adding West Virginia, to be honest. Um, and I, my gut tells me if the Big 12 could do it over, I don't think that West Virginia would be part of this conference outside of – and honestly, I think it's pretty similar. You look, an occasional BYU team would probably compete with an Oklahoma and a Texas, just like an occasional West Virginia would compete, has competed – with an OU Texas and men's basketball. I don't think BYU is what they were probably about four or five years ago. That actually, that was a pretty powerful basketball school there for a bit. Um, so I, I don't know. And that just, that, that creates a bigger landscape for the big 12 that I don't think needs a, a bigger landscape in the sense of travel. Um, and I look at any of their other sports outside of those two. And I just, I don't see what they bring to the table. And yes, BYU has a devoted fan base. Obviously, the population they have on the religious front carries pretty heavy. But is that any different than an Arizona State school that doubles their attendance every single year? Um, I don't know. Maybe you don't have as many diehard Arizona State fans, but you've got more of them uh, that are graduating year in, year out. So I kind of go, BYU, I don't think would do anything for me outside of a cool, cool venue to visit every now and then. So here's the thing with BYU, I think, would probably be the case. I don't think that they would be a full-fledged Big 12 member. I think they would be a football only, um, especially when you consider West Virginia already being in the conference. You don't want them to have to travel all their, you know, rowing team and, you know, women's golf programs and things like that all the way out to BYU every year. So, I I mean, would you guys take them if they were football only? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's – Again, it all goes back to it, but I mean, if you give me the choice, I mean, they would be a much more competitive team than probably three or four of the other teams that we've got in the league right now. So I don't think it's going to water down the conference, but I mean, Corbin, I think you get the nail on the head. I mean, the, the closest, you know, the closest distance to another Big 12 school for BYU is Texas Tech, and the, the, the distance between those two schools is 13 and a half hours. So, you know, I just, it's, it's West Virginia 2.0 in my, in my opinion. So I think Corbin's right on that. Yeah, but the name brand is higher, though. So, like, if you look at OU's schedule right now, every other year we get Oklahoma State. And then on the off year, our biggest home game is probably an out-of-conference game. But an OU-BYU, an OU-BYU-Texas matchup, BYU, you know, and several other schools, that's a pretty juicy name matchup compared to Arizona State. And I'm not saying, like, BYU or Arizona schools, either or. Like, you probably could add both. But... It's, it's a name matchup that would help in a lot of situations, especially for uh, streaming rights deals, not TV rights deals, which was the last go round. So I think a key factor in, in the BYU conversation is you have to add another school with them. You can't just settle at 11. And so that is a key piece in the BYU ad is who's the other one? 
because that plays with the Arizona conversation, you know exactly what you're getting. You're getting them in a specific location where they're very close together. It's pretty easy to kind of follow that one. But with BYU, who else are you adding? If you're adding a, a UCF, a Cincinnati, all of a sudden now we're not talking about just another trip on the other side of the United States, eventually talking about two or three in addition to West Virginia. So I think that's a huge factor in the BYU conversation is, is and then who? Um, it, there's not a natural there's not a natural fit to go with them as far as a you know geography standpoint is concerned. Maybe a Boise State, but I think we probably passed that window of them being a legit conversation uh, to join the Big 12. So that's that's it for me. As much as I I think potentially adding them just in football could be a good fit, and let's be honest, their track record against OU and Texas in the past 20 years, not bad. They've beaten both of us. Um, so. I lean towards that can only be answered with with who's the other school. Sure, that's a that's a great point. Well, we can we can thank uh, Sam Bradford's AC joint for for that <laughs> loss back in 08 or oh nine. So, uh, but no, that, that that's a good one too, Adam. Adam, what do you got for the fourth one? I, I like this one, especially it's been in the news recently. Yeah, I think this program has the highest ceiling of anything on the list, which is uh, Central Florida. They have a huge enrollment, 66,000. They've got a massive alumni base. They just hired a new head coach in Gus Melzon, who I really like a lot. Um, Their stadium capacity is only 44,000. That would rank last in the current Big 12. Um, But they they built their stadium in such a way that there's a ton of space around it. They could absolutely uh, expand that and make that much bigger than it is now. Average attendance in 2019 was was 43,000. So they're really hitting the mark there. They're right in Orlando, Florida. Great destination to travel to any time of year, uh, which and it's a pretty big market there. Two and a half million people there. Uh, from a win loss record as a program, they're right at fifty five percent. And then a recruiting standpoint, considerably better than any of the programs that we've talked about so far. Uh, number fifty one in twenty twenty one. They are still pretty far away, though. The closest road trip would be uh, Morgantown at, at thirteen hours drive. So. So Tyler, why why do you like uh, UCF so much? Well, one for the biggest reason why I like them right now is I love their head coach. Uh, I like the coaching hire that they just did. Uh, I think Gus Malzahn. I think you know, obviously, he was uh, kind of uh, in Nick Saban's shadow uh, at, at Auburn. I think he's a really good football coach. Probably didn't didn't get as much out of his team um, as he probably should have. He did win a national championship, but. Um, other than you know the head coach, I think being a good fit, and the other reason for me is the location. I mean, you're going to give me the opportunity to go to Orlando, not just for football every other year, but for other sports as well. Um, I mean, again, back to you know vacationing, being from the fan perspective, I think it's fantastic. But then also it gets back to what we were just discussing with BYU, with West Virginia, the fact that it is uh, you know 13, 14, 15 hours away, you know from from right here in Norman, Oklahoma. But I think that they would add tremendous value. Um, because of all the recent, you know, not just success, but also, you know, all the talk in the media, the 2017 national championship. I think that, um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there to bring a school like UCF in that's, you know, it's growing that they've, you know, they've made it a point that they want to, you know, pump money into and, and, you know, you know, create success for the football program. They want to build that up. So, um, all those factors in mind, and then the fact that you're also going to continue to f- further develop that recruiting pipeline to Norman from the state of Florida. But again, like what we were talking about, if we're being honest, it, it does it really help OU in any of these states because it is a national brand. 
So I, I guess what, what I'm talking about is, is always going back to how does this help the schools like OU and Texas that, that run the league year in and year out. So I, I would be totally for it. But again, it's, it's, it's challenging geographically. Anytime you can play games in a recruit's home state that we don't already recruit in, it's a bonus. That's another recruiting topic you can hit on. Hey, one to two times a year, we're coming to your backyard. We're going to play in your home state. All your family can come. It's not just about coming to Oklahoma. It's still about being close to family on some of the trips we have. I don't like the Malzahn hire just strictly out of because I don't like him as a coach. Um, I thought he had a lot of talent at Auburn. And to be frank, didn't do a whole lot with it in his time there, if we're just being totally honest. Um, maybe with him potentially losing the sweater vest, I'll hop on board and it'll change the mojo a little bit. But I'm not confident that's going to stay, even though I don't know how you pull off a sweater vest in Orlando, Florida. Um, I, yeah, I think outside of outside of the Arizona schools, this would probably be the next one on my list, just because, as Tyler mentioned, big market. And it, it sinks the roots in Florida, which is never a bad thing. Um, but it doesn't excite me. I don't know what else. Now, if you start talking about, even though it makes no sense geography-wise, strictly adding UCF and BYU just for football, yeah, I might be able to get behind that. You know, that's those are two big markets. Um, and I think UCF has an underrated fan base. They seem like they're growing pretty steadily and, and, and love football. Um but I don't know if it if it overly excites me as much as I love Disney World and would love to, to go down there more often. I just don't know if it does anything for me. Does UCF provide anything in any other sport besides football? I don't really know of any other sport that they're competitive year in and year out. I think they're decent in men's basketball. And outside of that, I would have zero answers for anything else. Well. Yeah, I mean, I, when realignment comes around, the focus is going to be on football um, in, in most you know fans' minds and what the media is going to be talking about. Maybe the athletic directors and presidents are looking at a few other things as well, but uh, most people are going to be focused on what the football program has done and what they can be. And I think that's where we look at Central Florida and go, okay, they've already <laughs> they've claimed the national championship. I don't think anyone really respects that, but... Um, they've had some really great years. There's a lot of notable guys that they've sent to the NFL. You know, their coaching, uh, you know, history is, is pretty strong over the last five, 10 years or so. And so I like the idea of, of empowering them in a state of Florida where, hey, you know, that's going to make OU's presence there stronger. You could say Alabama had a national presence, but they didn't get nearly as many Texas recruits until they started playing at Texas A&M every other year. So I think the same thing could happen for OU and, and Texas having a, a game in Orlando. And so uh, I see them as just a program that will continue to grow and get bigger. And if they can take a chip out of Florida or Florida State or Miami in the process, even better. Yeah, I just, I, I don't really know if I have, that much more to add to it i mean the um i guess one of the things looking at the stats here that you put together adam only having a stadium uh, of forty three thousand fans in a in a city that has a population of 2.5 million people um that's obviously kind of cause for concern when talking about revenue generation and the amount of money that they would bring in uh, that would ultimately lead towards bringing more money in for the conference to be split up at the end of the year um, but like you said, I mean, there's the, they've got the money to do so. They've got the area just by looking at that picture. They could expand, make it even bigger. And I think that that would definitely be something 
if it came down to UCF being seriously considered for it, I think that that would be a discussion. Uh, that would be a discussion topic that would, you know, definitely be towards the top of the list is expanding that stadium, getting more people in there uh, to kind of drive some more revenue. So I would be all for it if, like you said, if it is a package deal with another team. Um, but as far as, you know, adding a UCF all the way down to Florida and then maybe adding like a school like SMU, then it's 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 going to be a situation like West Virginia all over again. You're just adding another school that's, you know, 1,500 miles away. So. Yeah, West Virginia is a school that a lot of people has, you know, looked at and said they're so isolated. They they really need a bridge built to them. Big 12 missed a big opportunity in not getting Louisville when we had the chance. And so I think, Corbin, you mentioned earlier, if they could go back and do it again, they probably wouldn't add West Virginia. I would venture to say maybe they would add West Virginia, but also add like a Louisville and, and this team here that we should talk about, which is Cincinnati. Um, they're, they're interesting. Um, you know, their, their enrollment's pretty solid. They've got 43,000. They've got some great head coach history. Luke Fickle is their coach now, but, um, you know, Mark D'Antonio up at Michigan state, um, Butch Jones was pretty solid there. They even had Tommy Tuberville, uh, sitting U S Senator <laughs> for a little while. So they've got some, some real names there, uh, sitting at head coach stadium capacity is pretty, pretty bad. They only can fit 40,000 in their current stadium. And they really don't have any room to expand with where they've situated that. Um, their attendance in 2019 was was only 35,000 as well. Um, and they're they're probably low on the pecking order um, located in Cincinnati uh, behind the Reds and the Bengals. But they do have a nice size market there. Uh, Win-loss record's pretty average, only 51%. Uh, they do have some really solid recruiting going on with the number 36 class in 2021. And they are very close to Morgantown, only four and a half hours. So, so Corbin... I mean, there's a lot of things to to dislike about Cincinnati. Do they have a case, though? Well, I think for one, um, I think the Big 12 dodged a bullet on not taking Louisville, looking back at it now, just for what it's worth. Um, okay. The Big Rip Patino fan. Yeah. With the amount of scandals <laughs> they've had uh, and issues they've had, I think we, we did okay uh, not adding them. Again, Cincinnati doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's not like it's going to help us recruit against Ohio State, who is, you know, someone we tend to go head to head with on occasion because we have, you know, a Cincinnati in the conference. It's not going to do anything there. It's not going to help us recruit um, in some of those big time Penn State states, uh, excuse me, big time Big Ten states. Um, basketball is not what it used to be. I think they're solid. And I don't want, I don't want last year's football season to skew Cincinnati in a way that it's not. This is not a football powerhouse. They had one good year. They've always been a solid team, but it's not, I don't, yeah, I, it's not going to move the needle as far as making the Big 12 for strictly looking at it from a football perspective or just a conference in general. It's not making them better in many ways at all. Yeah, just like what it was for BYU, same goes for Cincinnati. Don't get caught up in the recency bias. They had a really good year last season. Is that going to be something that they're going to be able to consistently do? every single season moving forward? No, probably not. Um, I think that Cincinnati, of the teams that we've got listed here on our sheet, having the number 36 recruiting class, I think that from a talent standpoint, they would be the most competitive out of any of these teams year in and year out. You know, They bring a very solid football team. They've got a pretty good men's hoops program uh, that they can bring to the table as well. Cincinnati is a big TV market, also gives the Big 12 a new recruiting ground in the Midwest, maybe stretching a little bit into the Northeast. Um, but it's, I, I don't know, like it's, 
this would definitely be one, you know, years ago when they added, when the Big 12 added West Virginia to the conference, this would have been an ideal candidate to pair along with West Virginia, only being four hours away, having two teams kind of up there in that same region. But um, as far as if it's like a sexy choice, like a must-have to get them into the Big 12, probably not. Um, But I, I think that an argument could be made. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I just really don't like about Cincinnati. It's great that they're a bridge to West Virginia, and maybe they could start, you know, stealing a few recruits away from Ohio State if they join the Big 12. But overall, like that stadium is so small that they would almost be forced to move their games to Paul Brown Stadium where the Bengals play. Not a fan of that. I think that really takes away from the college football experience and and moving off campus. Awesome stadium, though. It, true, but yeah, there's just you just lose something when you go play in a pro stadium uh, as a college program. And so, I, I love what Luke Fickle's doing. Uh, I think he's building something great. I'm I'm not sure how long he'll stay there, or or maybe he'll be there for a while and he'll he'll be like a Gary Patterson type that can you know get them to grow bigger and bigger and, and continue to win conference championships. But um, there's there's a lot of downsides to Cincinnati. So uh, next on the list, I've got one that I actually really like a lot. Um, and maybe I'm, I'm kind of alone in that particular thought, but uh, Memphis and uh, Memphis is a little bit smaller school, only 20,000 uh, students currently enrolled. Her current head coach is Ryan Silverfield uh, stadium capacity. They play in the Liberty Bowl, which is just slightly off campus, about two miles. So not too, too far away. Uh, prehistoric stadium. It holds 62,000. That would rank third in the Big 12. Uh, and then average attendance in 2019, not very impressive, only 38,000, although uh, they did draw almost 60,000 uh, when they played SMU for college game day that weekend. And uh, they are located in Memphis, Tennessee, obviously, 1.3 million people in the in the metro there. Win-loss record is not super impressive, only 49% of their games that they've won uh, for all time. But I think they've been pretty solid over the last decade for sure. Uh, and then their, their recruiting standpoint, number 46, cl- 46 class in 2021. And they are relatively close to some Big 12 rivals um, in in OU and OSU, which is only a seven-hour drive. TCU is about eight. So um, definitely a, a good road trip for Big 12 fans. Uh, so I really like them a lot. What what do you think, Tyler? Is it something that should be in serious consideration for the Big 12? From a, pan, a fan perspective, yes. Um, it's a huge market in, in Tennessee. Um, Oklahoma has, as we all know, OU has a handful of guys on the, ros- on the roster from that state. Um, like you said, only a, se- a seven-hour drive. That would make for a fun road trip. Memphis is a fun place. Nashville being up the road just a little bit more. Um, could definitely see that, you know, from a, again, from a fan perspective, from an entertainment, entertainment standpoint, absolutely uh, sign me up from that. As far as the football goes, um, 62,000 fans. I like it. Um, I, I, I don't know, like number 46 ranked recruiting class. They've got a good team. Seems like every, you know, three to four years of a senior led team um, that kind of pulls everything together. Kind of a perfect storm. Um, two conference championships since joining the FBS in 1996. Doesn't really spell like too much success consistently against the competition that they're playing every single year. Um, but again, it kind of just goes back to, you know, does that move the needle for schools like OU in Texas? Me, probably not. Um, looking at sports outside of football, they do have a pretty good uh, men's basketball program. And then other than that, I'm just I'm just not sure what else really Memphis would, you know, bring to the table other than a pretty good location and in kind of a recruiting hotspot that OU's kind of got their foot, um, you know, more solidly planted in right now. 
Um, Corbin, what do you think? Is Memphis would that be a, a uh, interesting candidate in your eyes that you'd like to see happen? There's only one category that interests me about Memphis, and that's the food. That's Graceland. it. That's it. <laughs> the food. Give me all the barbecue. I'm in. Anything else? Absolutely not. And here's the deal, guys. With all of these teams, I think honestly, outside of the Arizona schools. The reason they have been relevant in football over the past few years is because they are feasting on the guys right below that power five talent level. That doesn't work when you're playing against power five talent levels. So they're really good in, in X, Y, and Z sports, specifically targeting football because they're playing with the best of what those schools are dealing with. So I think any of these teams you throw into the big 12, Similar to your, I think your argument that it has validity to it about the Arizona schools, Adam, it's going to be like Texas Tech. It's going to be like traditionally what Baylor is. It, it's not going to swing the needle because the only reason these schools are feasting at that level is because they're playing far inferior competition. Well, you could say the same thing for TCU and Utah back in like 2008 when they were winning Rose Bowls and Sugar Bowls as group of five programs. And now look at them, they're I, I think both of them have won. I, I don't know if Utah has won a Pac-12 championship yet. Um, and TCU tied for one in 2014. But they've been competitive for league titles once they've moved up. So that's what I look at Memphis and see is, hey, maybe they could get to that level um, with the boost of a Power 5 conference behind them. Their recruiting would get a little bit better. They'd steal recruits away from Tennessee and Ole Miss. Uh, and then OU would have a, a bigger foothold. I think Nashville is going to be a huge recruiting hotbed here in the next couple of years as that city is continuing to grow. So uh, getting more market share in, in that area of the country, I like that. And this is honestly the closest one that we've talked about so far. I know Cincinnati was a little bit closer to West Virginia, but they're such an outlier. Memphis would be more in the heart of, uh, or a little bit closer to the heart of Big 12 country. So geographically, it would make a little bit more sense. Um, and, and I like the potential there, but you do have some good points. Like there's... The history and tradition is not great, um, so it's a little bit of a risk. No Utah championships in the Pac-12 for what it's worth. Adam, what's this last one? This one I think could provide probably the best best argument on both sides to it. What do you got for the last one here to round it out? So a one that people talk about a lot, which is Houston. And I guess the sizzle has gone off a little bit since since Tom Herman has, has left and Derek King has left, but – um, they're a pretty big school, 45,000 uh, in enrollment. Dana Holgerson, our old friend, is their head coach currently. The stadium capacity is only 40,000, just like Cincinnati. It would rank last in the, in the currently in the Big 12. And their average attendance in 2019, only 25,000 fans, which is pretty pathetic. I know there were some strange circumstances with only playing a few games and the team kind of quit on Dana and so the fans kind of quit it was it was weird so there's some reasons for that but they are there in Houston Texas seven million people there uh, you know a huge uh, fan base potential although they would be pretty low on the totem pole behind the Texans Astros Rockets um, pretty much everything there and they might even be behind uh, you know A&M and Texas for sure uh, from a college football standpoint uh, win loss uh, as a program 54 percent of their games for all time and then recruiting, not very impressive for where they're located. Only number 83 on the rivals ranking from 2021. Uh, again, regionally a close uh, program. Waco, Austin, only three hours away. Close drive to pretty much all the Big 12. Um, 
And then notably, they do get some pretty good coaches. Their last two conference titles that they won were by Art Bryles and Tom Herman. So two stand-up guys. Two, two stand-up guys. But um, Corbin, when you look at a, a program like Houston, is there enough there for you to overlook the fact that there's probably some schools like OU and, and Texas that would not want Houston in the conference? No. <laughs> no, Houston. No, zero percent chance. There's no, there's no reason whatsoever. And I know you were trying to play nice to Houston, Adam. They are far and below behind the fan bases of A and M and UT and Houston. It's not even close. So here's what this does. Here's here's the only thing that adding Houston does to the Big Twelve, and specifically of an OU focus in general. You're adding another team in a hotbed market of recruiting that OU, to be honest doesn't do very well in to be to be frank now you're adding a team that is right down the street from all these recruits um outside of men's basketball who i think is a very talented team no other sports to really bring value to um i have zero interest in adding another texas school to the big 12 conference uh for as much as ou recruits well in texas it's never easy so there's no reason to give recruits another opportunity to stay closer to home in a recruiting hotbed I, I of any of the schools that we've mentioned and potentially any of the schools in the entire country. Houston is so far down the bottom of my list. It's not even funny. I have no desire to add Houston. I completely 100% agree. Dana Holgerson, if you're listening, if you need more help on offense, I hear Tom Herman is looking for a job. Um, Corbin, I, I think you hit the nail on the yeah, so is Art Bryles. So he uh, resigned from his uh, head coaching job uh, down in East Texas at a uh, high school. So, but no, I, I think you're exactly right. Um, it's a huge market, seven million people. That that's already an an area in recruiting that you know national nationally college you know college football programs you know have have their hand in like the the likes of Ohio State, LSU, Alabama. Then to go along with the fact that you've got Texas and Texas A and M just a couple hours down the road as well. But I think that one, it hurts. It hurts OU from a recruiting standpoint because you are throwing another school in the state of Texas, predominantly in the largest metro area in the state of Texas, also. But this is kind of an interesting thing that I was thinking about and talking to Adam before we hit the record button, which is I think that by if you throw Houston into the Big Twelve, give them an opportunity to where they can become a Power Five program. One, that hurts OU and Texas in recruiting. But two, I think given the right head coach at a school like Houston, when you've got 7 million people around there, state of Texas, best high school football in the country, I think Houston has a chance, given the right head coach, to where they could maybe be a bit of a problem every two, three years for a team like OU and Texas. Just because... Uh, th- there's so much talent down in that area already. You get the right coach to come in there, get some of those you know local kids to buy in, to convince them to stay at home, play in front of their friends and family, have their mom and dad and sister right there just down the road. I think you could be looking at a situation to where it's in the right market. That could be a, a potential program that could ultimately come up and be not competitive like OU and Texas are year in and year out, but there's no reason why you know you throw – Throw Houston in the in the Big Twelve. Who's to say five years later they're not more competitive than what TCU and Oklahoma State are doing? Just because there's so much talent from a recruiting standpoint in that area, just down the road from their campus. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. Uh, everything that we didn't like about Cincinnati with their small stadium and their pecking order and their own city, coupled on top with the fact that 
it's in Houston, it's, it's Texas, it's OU territory. We don't want any more people encroaching on that recruiting ground. And, and I definitely don't want a team, uh, you know, getting good in the state of Texas and starting to steal recruits away from OU. I can live with that if it's UCF joining the conference and they're starting to win and be competitive. That's fine. They're, UCF's not going to steal a ton of guys from Dallas or, or Houston even from those programs. I think that you know, perspective would more or less just make OU and Texas have to compete harder and get better. But I definitely don't want that from Houston. So I agree. This is the weakest one on our entire list. And I think I think everybody in power in the Big 12 would be completely against it. If if that happened, it's never going to happen. If it happened. If I'm Houston, my first call, sorry, Dana, like we're going to cut ties here. Call him Matt Campbell. If he's doing what he's doing up in Ames, Iowa, can you imagine what he would do in Houston, Texas? He he would make that in the next four or five years a powerhouse program in the conference, in my honest opinion. There's a I, lot of guys you could call that would get that result too. Although I will say it, I, I'm probably the biggest Matt Campbell fan, non-Iowa State Matt Campbell fan that there is. Love the guy. I think he's a fantastic coach. A little bit different coaching in Ames, Iowa than in a market like Houston, Texas. I think... I think could probably be a little bit more problematic, maybe not be quite as successful just because you're, you're kind of, I don't know if recruiting like a different, your pitch is different or you're recruiting to a different type of, you know, athlete, but I think it could be, it could be a little different, but from a stylistic and a coaching standpoint, I think that'd be fantastic. So um, who knows? They get the right head coach in there. Probably the most, uh, competitive sports team in that city right now. When you look at what's going on with the Texans and um, you know the the cheating Astros down the road, so well, well, let's recap just and wrap everything up that we've we've covered here. I think if the Big Twelve does expand, I think two is an option. I, I kind of get a sense where you guys would go if it was just two schools. But if if we were expanding to four uh, fourteen total teams, that means we'd need to add four. Uh, Corbin, who would be your top four out of these that we've discussed? Oh. Top four is tough because, to be honest, I like you know, you know two of them the most. Yeah, you know two of them. It's the two Arizona schools, especially if we're adding four. That's a no brainer. I think I think you could poach them away from the Pac-12 because that is a dumpster fire right now on a lot of fronts. Um, here's where I'd go. I'd go. I'd go UCF. And to be honest, not on our list. I'd add USF. I'd add two Florida schools. Yeah. I, we didn't include them. Maybe that's something we'll, we'll add on a future podcast, but I, I think that's certainly a good area to go. Who you got, Tyler? I've got the two Arizona schools. I've got UF, or UCF, not UFC. Um, UCF is the other one. And then probably the fourth school for me, if I'm looking at just this list, uh, honestly, Give me Memphis simply because of the fact I'll, I would love to go spend a weekend in Memphis or Nashville from a fan experience standpoint. Give me that one um, over, over the others. So, guys, a question back to you. Since we're talking about maybe adding adding either two teams or potentially adding four if the Big 12 des- decides to expand to that size, any interest in getting Colorado and Nebraska back like the old Big 12 days? Would those be two schools that aren't on this list that would be appealing and maybe a better fit. I would love it. I just I'm not sure how realistic it is for for those programs at this point in time. If you take away the, I'm sure Nebraska would love to come back after seeing what's happening up there. 
you take away the historic factor for both schools, I'm not sure it does any more than some of these others we've talked about. Like if you just take it out as an X's and O's as far as recruiting bases and fan bases and location geography wise, I don't know if it does anything different than, than some of the others we've talked about, but as just strictly a fan and obviously a fan who would love to see OU play down the street from me. Yeah. Would love to see that, but how close know. are you? How close are you to Colorado's campus? 20 minutes. Oh, hell yeah. Yep. Get that yeah, air mattress I, I going. Love I love Boulder. Um, and I, that stadium's a piece of junk, to be honest, from what I've seen. I'd love to get more inside. I obviously, with COVID, hadn't had a chance to do that yet. But from what I've seen, like I don't know how that thing is standing. Um, but besides that, <laughs> it's it's gorgeous. Um, you know, so would love it from a fan perspective, from an athletic department, what they add back to the conference. No, nothing <clears throat> there for me. Yeah, for me. Two schools, I think, is fairly easy for me. I think I'd go Central Florida and Memphis. Uh, if I was going to go four schools, that's where it gets tough because I'm not as big of a fan of adding the Arizona schools. So then I'm looking at – I'm just kind of reaching all over the place at that point. I'm going Central Florida, Memphis, uh, BYU, and that really tears apart the geography. And then I'm just holding my nose, I guess, on Cincinnati and saying <laughs> they'll figure out their stadium somehow. Um, so I don't really have a great strategy there. Um, so maybe the Arizona schools do make more sense, especially for adding four teams to go to 14. Well, I, I think that's, I think that's a really good discussion and kind of one thing that we'll do when we circle back to this topic is, um, Oklahoma, whenever the contract expires, 2025, I believe is when it is when the, the big 12 has to re kind of restructure and figure things out moving forward. What would be some ideal destinations for Oklahoma, if they chose to leave the Big Twelve and go to maybe the SEC or the Big Ten, uh, how to what's uh, what's ideal for that? What would be a good fit uh, for OU and for Oklahoma fans? So, um, guys, I think I think that's a really good discussion, and let's kind of transition over here into our fun topic of the week. We did one we did one last Thursday. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to hear what you guys have come up with this one. It's another Mount Rushmore, the Mount Rushmore of the greatest bald people in existence, both living and dead. So we've already got the draft order established. Going to go Adam, Tyler, myself. I'm going to go two, Corbin, three, and then Snake-like, you've got three and four, so on and so forth. So Adam, with the number one pick in the Mount Rushmore of the greatest bald people to ever walk the face of the earth, who are you taking, my man? I'm, I'm glad I had the first pick for this one. Uh, I was just rolling out bald people on my list earlier uh, in pre preparation for this. I'm going to go with uh, the goat on this one. I'm going to go Michael Jordan. God. Ooh. Obviously, don't <laughs> don't have to explain why on that. No explanation needed. Was that everybody's top one pick? Just uh, that's that's the first bullet point on my list. Yep. I have a, I had a one B. Uh, we'll see if it gets picked second. I don't want to give it away. Okay, for my first pick, a couple different ways I could go with this. Obviously, I had Jordan number one on mine. I'm going to switch it up here a little bit, and I think that the I think I'll be able to circle back and get this guy next time. Uh, first pick for me, greatest bald guy. I'm going to start out with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So he was my one B. <laughs> so let me uh, let me throw the Rock in here. Uh, and I will take him. And Corbin, that's going to take it to you, man. You've got back-to-back -back here. What are you doing for three and four? Yeah, so I don't think the order matters. Uh, both these guys were in the top four on my list total. Um, so I'll start off the first one. 
with one of the greatest lines in cinema history. I have had it with these mother effing snakes on this mother effing plane going Samuel L. Jackson is my number one overall pick. He's also uh, Nick Fury in the Avengers. I love the Avengers. Uh, so that was uh, that's one for me. Uh, round two, pick one for me. I'm going the big diesel, big Sam Rock, Shaq uh, Daddy, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, four NBA championships. Uh, runs one of the greatest sports shows on TV with the NBA crew on TNT. Um, so, yeah, very confident in both those picks. I like it. Those were numbers three and four on my list. So let me scratch those off here. Uh, second pick for me, I'm going to stay out in Los Angeles. I'm going to go with Kobe Bryant, who became bald towards the end of his career. Number 24, number eight, rest in peace. Uh, one of the all-time greats in the game of basketball, the greatest Laker of all time. Uh, so give me Kobe Bryant for the second pick uh, on Mount Rushmore. Good one. I uh, I did not have Kobe on my list. I should have. Um, for my next two picks, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go outside of sports. I'm gonna go with Jeff Bezos. Uh, depending on what day you look, he might be the richest man in the world. Uh, I, I guess he's stepping down from his role at Amazon to do some other things. Um, and he's got so much money, he can do whatever he wants. So, uh, give me Jeff Bezos for my second pick. And then for my third pick, I'm going to go uh, to Hollywood with Larry David, uh, one of the writers from Seinfeld and now uh, stars on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which has been a pretty long running show. And uh, one of the running jokes that he does throughout that is just talking about how bald people, you know, stick together and they recognize each other and things like that. So I just love, love what he has with the humor there. Okay, pardon my ignorance, but... I've never watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've got a bunch of friends. Seems like they're always posting clips of it on Snapchat, Instagram. Seems like it's a funny story. Does it live up to the hype? Like, is it worth uh, splurging and uh, picking up a subscription to what is it on HBO or Cinemax? Yeah, or, yeah one of them. HBO Max. Um, it might even be on Amazon Prime still, but it's it's good. Um, season one and two are not the best, but then once you get past that, they're all they're all great. So Larry David, number three. I actually didn't have Larry David on my list. Nope. Um, number three for me on the greatest bald people. Oh, geez. How do I want to do this? I'm going to kind of go outside the box here. I'm going to go with Joe Rogan. Uh, number three for me on the, on the Mount Rushmore. Love his podcast. Absolutely fantastic. I'm a huge UFC fan. Uh, he's the uh, lead commentator for that sport, does a fantastic job. He's got kind of got his hands in a bunch of different things, is a fantastic follow on social media. So give me Joe Rogan uh, from the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. That's a great pick. I didn't Did have anybody that. else have that? Did anybody else have that on their list? Uh-uh. I don't That's know. a great pick, though. Um, all right, so I got my last two, right? Um, this is tough because I have a lot of options still on my board. Um all right, number three, I'm going to go Dana White. Ah, Yep, I knew you'd have that one, Tyler. President of the UFC. Uh, love the UFC. I don't watch all the fights like I used to, but still a fan whenever at least the middle and, and high names come around. And I love the way he runs, not only his company, just the way he holds himself. Um, always been a fan of Dana. And the fourth one, who am I going to end with? Um... 
All right, a little off the cuff. I'm not going to say this is one of the greatest bald people. We're going to say this is one of the most notable bald people. And it's not a particular person because I'm pretty sure to have this role, it is a requirement for you to be bald. Um, so I'm going to say the Pope. That is what I'm going to go with my number four pick is the Pope because I'm pretty sure any Pope that I remember was bald. So we're not specifying just one, just that role in general. I like that. That's creative. So, so if Corbin is having dinner with his Mount Rushmore people, he's going to have Samuel L. Jackson sitting next to the Pope uh, at, at TGI Fridays. So that's that, that would be an interesting conversation. I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that. I'd pay. I'd pay for that. Yeah. Uh, it would just be interesting to see if Samuel Jackson uh, could withhold from cussing uh, no in, the, in the presence of the Pope. So that, that's, a good, that's a good top four for you. Uh, to round it out for me, I did not have the Pope. On my on my list, I've got five different ones here. I could go a couple different directions with. Glad you came prepared this week. Yeah, that's what that's what I was telling Adam. I actually put a little bit more uh, thought and effort into it, and uh, didn't show up with just five names on a piece of paper. So, uh, fourth fourth one for me on this. I'm a huge game show nerd, so for this one, I'm going to go with the host of my favorite game show. I'm going to go with Steve Harvey. Number four for me on Mount Rushmore. Kind of, I, I don't know, a little bit off the wall, but he's funny as hell. Uh, super entertaining to watch. So give me Steve Harvey uh, to go on the Mount Rushmore with The Rock, Kobe, and uh, Mr. Joe Rogan. That's a good one. I thought you were going to say Howie Mandel for a second uh, from Deal or No Deal. <laughs> Open the case. That was Open the case. The case. <laughs> <laughs> deal or No Deal. Um Man, so I get to go last, so I just get to pour out all the different options that I'm considering here. Um, I think I'm down to two, uh, which would be either uh, Bruce Willis or Walter Solid. White. I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm, oh, this is tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with Walter White, uh, go fictional here. Um, I know Bruce Willis has done a lot of movies and the diehards are great. He didn't start the diehards bald, but he definitely finished them bald. Um, so I'm going to stick with Walter White. Same thing, I guess. He didn't start uh, Breaking Bad bald, but uh, for the majority of that, he was bald. And uh, he's a pretty, pretty cool character, one of the most iconic TV shows of all time. So uh, that rounds out Michael Jordan, Jeff Bezos, Larry David, and Walter White for me. Just like Curb Your Enthusiasm, having never seen an episode, I've also not seen one minute of Breaking Bad. So uh, might might have to add that to the queue once uh, once we finish up Grey's Anatomy down here in Norman. So uh, kind of a guilty pleasure. Corbin, shut up. Quit laughing. Tyler, um, what were some of your honorable mentions that you had that we maybe we didn't get to? I had Bruce Willis on mine. Uh, I've got three others on my list here. Dave Chappelle was, was one for me. Um, comedian, icon, genius. Magic Johnson was another one for me. Uh, and then third was just kind of a wacky uh, character uh, from, from my t favorite TV show of all time. I've got Kevin Malone. Uh, oh, Kevin's, good. Kevin's famous chili um, <laughs> from The Office. So, yeah, what, what about you guys? Adam? Man, there's so many different people that we considered. Like, you guys had ones I didn't even think about. Um, I had uh, Vin Diesel. I had Teddy Lehman, one of our favorites here in Oklahoma. I had Brian Urlacher. Um, I don't know if Dwight Eisenhower is necessarily bald. He's pretty thin haired. Um, but how can you leave out, uh, you know, the architect of D-Day? Um, so I, I thought there were some great options for this. Yep. Um, I had Charles Barkley as one. Um, Sean Connery 
was was way up on my list just frankly because i remember back when i was a kid summer days and like spike would have 007 like james bond just marathons that's the only thing they showed sean connery flashbacks big one there uh mike tyson jason alexander who played george costanza in seinfeld uh and then one of the off the cuff was ed harris we have any Westworld fans he's the one who radio in black um yeah that's what that's where I know him most from. I love Westworld besides season three, which is awful. We can talk about it some other time. But uh, but yeah, that was those were some of my others I had on my list. Very nice. Well, that's uh, th- those are three pretty good uh, three pretty good Mount Rushmores there. Can't find any fault with with any of those. And now I've definitely got a couple new TV shows to watch um, after hearing you guys' picks. So, uh, guys, anything else before we get out of here? We're right at about an hour, so this has been perfect. Yeah, I was, it's a great discussion. A lot of things to think about as far as realignment. So a lot of uh, just speculation. We'll see if any of it ever happens. Cool. Good deal. Well, spring ball is right around the corner, uh, coming up, starting up here in just a few weeks. And, and again, appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, this is always one of the uh, best parts of the week for myself, and I can probably say that for, for these two guys as well. Fun getting on here, talking ball, talking sports, uh, doing some kind of wacky off-the-cuff stuff like these Mount Rushmore. So we'll continue to find some new creative ways uh, to bring you guys some pretty good entertaining content. As always, you can find our stuff on Apple, uh, on iTunes, on Spotify as well. So go online, subscribe, give us a five-star review. And again, always appreciate you guys listening. Send us a message, give us some feedback. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Mainline Pod One. Uh, and again, from, uh, from Corbin and Adam, this is Tyler, and we'll see, check it check it out here with you guys again next week, right here on another episode of the Mainline Podcast. <laughs>